There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Russia's plan to put nuclear weapons in Belarus. This is another sign of Putin's escalation. Now he tries to use the nuclear intimidation, nuclear blackmail, uh, thinking that this might work and this might deter the Europeans from continuing their support to Ukraine. Peter Stano is the lead spokesman for the European Commission. So now... Finland is a member of NATO. It's a good day for us, a good day for Finland, and a bad day for Vladimir Putin. Former U.S. Ambassador to Poland, Daniel Fried, coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. There are lots of events that have taken place around the war in Ukraine, but two of the biggest are Russia announcing that it was going to send nuclear weapons to Belarus. And then there was Finland joining NATO, a game changer in many respects. First, we start with the decision to send nuclear weapons from Russia to Belarus. Peter Steno is the lead spokesman for the European Commission. We spoke with him about that. Thank you, Peter, for taking time to talk to us. Um, first question, um, Russia made this big pronouncement that they're, going to, that they're going to move tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus. What's the EU's point on that, point of view on that? This is another sign of Putin's escalation. Now he tries to use the nuclear intimidation, nuclear blackmail, uh, thinking that this might work and this might deter the Europeans from continuing their support to Ukraine. But of course, this will not work. He will fail again, like he's failing until now in basically everything. Um, This is, of course, a serious escalation. Uh, Belarus is a country which gave up nuclear weapons and uh, the Belarusian territory is not a place for stationing nuclear weapons. So this is totally irresponsible behavior that raises the level of threat to the European security. It's irresponsible by Russia, because as I said, this is just part of Putin's nuclear gamble and nuclear intimidation. But it's also very irresponsible from Lukashenko, who is the illegitimate leader of Belarus, who stole elections from his people. He's oppressing his population. And now he's putting his own country at risk, selling out the sovereignty of the country and making it a staging uh, part or launching part of the Russian invasion, because Lukashenko already made Belarus complicit in the illegal aggression by Russia against Ukraine, by allowing uh, the Russian soldiers and Russian troops to use 
the territory of Belarus to invade Ukraine and to launch attacks on Ukraine. So this is uh, definitely another escalation. And uh, this will lead, of course, to an appropriate response, response from the European side. So what what is the what will the response be, though, uh, from the European side to this? Um, is there going to be some kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, unified military action? Or what do we expect the response to be, aside from what you're saying to us today? The European Union is not a military alliance, so there is no military response possible from the side of the European Union. But let's not forget Belarus is uh, um, bordering with countries who are EU members, but also they are members of the NATO. And this is more this is more significant in this context. But uh, at this stage, we have um, declarations only. So both Lukashenko and Putin declared their intention, what they intend to do. If this is indeed followed up by actions, then it will be very serious. And then we will be more concrete about the response and reaction from the European side. And I guess this this reaction will be, again, strongly and closely coordinated with our other allies, the NATO and the transatlantic allies. But uh, again, this is a very irresponsible uh, announcement, very irresponsible step that leads to more escalation, that threatens directly the European security, and it will not be left unanswered. We have we have number of tools uh, as European Union to react to to such developments, but again, let's see and wait because at this stage we have we have announcements which we still hope will not be followed up by the actions, but we are ready. If they follow up with the action, we will react uh, accordingly. You talk about the escalation and the threat uh, of this, es- that this that this escalation essentially brings to Europe and beyond. Um, what exactly is the threat? Um, the threat that these nuclear weapons might be used or that there might be some kind of miscalculation? What exactly do you view as the escalatory threat here? Indeed, uh, this is just bringing the nuclear weapons, that means weapons of mass destruction, closer to the European territory on one hand. On the other hand, Belarus is a country that gave up the nuclear weapons, so they are not supposed to be stationed in Belarus. Um, Another thing is that Putin is already waging a war, not only against Ukraine, but against the, the whole international community, which believes in international rules, in international law, and in freedom of choices, how you want to design your own future and your own alliances. Putin is uh, threatening all this. So he's threatening the stability and security in Europe by waging war in Ukraine, because this war has obviously consequences. And it already destabilized the world uh, economically, because it led to price increases, to food insecurity, to energy crises all around the world. And uh, when you bring the most powerful and most destructive weapons closer to the area of, of hot conflict, this is just irresponsible and it only increases the risks, the possible risks. And it's, it presents just bigger, bigger, bigger risk for, for the overall security and stability. So what are your thoughts about the war in Ukraine right now, how it's going? Well, this is uh, right from the start. It has been an illegal war. This was uh, inhuman, brutal aggression in defiance and violation of all the international norms and rules, starting with UN Charter. And then, as we have observed, all the atrocities committed, uh, mass killings, mass executions, targeting of civilian infrastructure, targeting of power plants, you know, private apartments, targeting of hospitals, uh, kidnapping of children. 
and uh, detaining children, kidnapping them, illegally bringing them to Russia for forced adoptions. This is crimes against humanity. And International Criminal Court already reacted to it by issuing the arrest warrant against Putin for these crimes. So this is really bringing one escalation after another, and it's bringing unheard levels of atrocities and brutality uh, after so many peaceful decades on the European continent. So this war is unfortunately continuing. Putin is losing the war, but uh, he is losing it in a way that he doesn't want to recognize it. So he is increasing the brutality. He cannot win on the battlefield. So he's trying to win through brutality, attacking more and more civilian targets. He wanted to use the winter. He wanted to use the the frost and, and the cold temperatures as weapons against Ukrainians. But the brave people of Ukraine, they stood firm and they defied him and they are defying him until today. Since the day one of the invasion, Putin actually is not making any games. So he is fighting a position war now in the east of the country. It's a brutal, illegal war that needs to be finished as soon as possible. And until it is finished, we will be continuing support uh, for Ukraine in financial terms, humanitarian terms, economic terms, but also in military terms. Peter, I'm not sure if you've seen this or not. Um, there is a piece in the Politico today that suggests that there are a number of EU diplomats that are unhappy with the way in which countries are reimbursing themselves for the weapons that they're sending to Ukraine. And this seems to suggest that there is some dissent amongst the, the, uh, amongst the group that's fighting Russia. How do you think that that would impact or will impact the cohesiveness of the EU's uh, fight against Russia? The EU reacted in unity to what Russia did against Ukraine. And the EU keeps reacting in unity. Until now, every relevant decision regarding supporting Ukraine, regarding facing the Russian aggression, was made by the European unity unanimously by all 27 member states. There is consensus, there is unity, and we continue. If there is some gossip or any rumors about uh, someone being unhappy, you know, this is not really for us to comment. The member states of the European Union are the ones in the driving seat of the EU's actions when it comes to supporting Ukraine. So we have a special instrument for supporting and reimbursing actually the weapon supplies uh, for Ukraine. This instrument is owned by the member states. So if a member state or few member states have a problem, they are sitting right there at the table. They can raise it there. They can change the criteria. They can change the way how it works. They don't need to have some some frustrated, anonymous people going around and talking to media saying, ah, we don't like this or that, uh, without any authorization and without even having the courage to reveal the names. I think the unity of the EU is shown in its actions. So far, we were very successful in keeping the unity, and I'm convinced that we will keep this unity because in the end, what is at stake the objective of all this exercise is to support Ukraine to face the brutal aggression. So any kind of rumors on the sides uh, give, being given space in some outlets, this is not really relevant for what we do, because again, what we do, we do for Ukrainian people. And we do it in a way which allows the member states to keep the control. And again, if anyone is unhappy with this, they can raise it at appropriate fora in a way that is designed uh, to, to, to deal with these issues. But as I said, the criteria, the procedures and the ways how the weapons are being supplied to Ukraine and how they are reimbursed from the European funds 
are very clearly set and decided by member states unanimously, and member states can change them at any time they wish. That was Peter Steno. He is the lead spokesman for the European Commission. That conversation took place last week. This one took place 24 hours ago with Ambassador Daniel Freed, who is a distinguished fellow, the Wiser Family Distinguished Fellow at the Atlantic Council. And he's a former U.S. ambassador to Poland. We talked to him about the significance of Finland joining NATO. Ambassador, you have served... Uh, the U.S. as a diplomat for many years, uh, and you served overseas in Europe, I believe in Poland and some other places as well, uh, and distinguished yourself on many occasions by just being able to understand what was going on during the Cold War and after the Cold War and how the problem that Russia and the former Soviet Union created for the rest of Europe, how it actually worked, what the risks were and what the troubles were, so I'm sure that you have some significant understanding of how big and how important it is today now that Finland has become a part of NATO. Would you share some of your wisdom with us? You're right. It's a big deal. Finland was neutral during the Cold War. You were cautious about the Soviet Union. But now they've joined the European Union. And after Putin invaded Ukraine, the Finns re-looked at their security and they decided that that they have a bad neighbor to the east and they remembered, they had never forgotten, that the Soviet Union had attacked them and they had to fight for their lives to keep their country independent. So when they saw Putin attacking another neighbor, they said, nope, we're not going down this road. We're going to join with the United States and the other NATO countries. And today they became the 31st NATO member. It's a good day for us, a good day for Finland, and a bad day for Vladimir Putin. So talk a little bit about why this is such a bad uh, day for Vladimir Putin in terms of the, the, uh, I guess, the the geography here. It changes significantly for Russia in terms of, you know, how big Finland is and how much of its border it covers. Talk a little bit about that for us, sir. 800 miles of Finnish-Russian border in the far north. There's not much there. It's mostly forest. But the Finns understand that Russia is an aggressor. And as long as Putin is president, the Russians could get ideas. So the Finns have now signed up with NATO. It's a bad it's a bad news day for Putin because he invaded Ukraine so he could extend Russia's domination over its former empire. And look what's happened. He hasn't conquered Ukraine. He may never conquer it. In fact, he is unlikely to conquer it. He may lose this war. And now a country that was not even thinking about joining NATO has actually joined. Putin is not much of a genius. He has driven Russian interests into the ground, all for the sake of his vanity and his sense that he wants to be an empire builder. But it's not a good day for them. So what is Finland capable of when it comes to their military? I know you're not a military expert, but I know you know a lot of things. But what does Finland bring to the table in terms of 
another military and certainly a country with a big border with Russia. The Finns take the military seriously. NATO has a standard of 2% of GDP that NATO members are supposed to spend on their military. And Finland already meets that standard. If you go to Finland, and I've been there a lot, the Finns are very reserved. But when you talk to them about the Russians, it looks like everybody's grandfather fought in the Winter War, the war that Finland fought to keep its country independent, where it fought off the Soviets. They have no illusions about the Soviets, and they know that armies are needed to keep countries safe. So they take this seriously. They have a a capable military, well-equipped. They have the ability to put in many hundreds of thousands of troops into battle because they have a reserve system that they take seriously. They don't fool around. They don't dabble in the kind of illusion that everything will be nice if they're nice. They understand what militaries are for, and they will be a contributing member to the NATO alliance. Ambassador, one of the things that I will most remember about you is I witnessed a speech that you made. um, I think this was in 2022. uh, And this was at the Lenard Mary conference. And you, the line that I remember is a line where you quoted Dr. Martin Luther King, you said the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And that was such a profound moment for me um, because of what that means. And when you extended it to this war in Ukraine, um, it it meant even more. So how now does the entry of Finland into NATO impact the rest of NATO and impact everybody else? who has been fighting this war on the side of NATO, or shall we say, participating from inside the group of NATO? I remember that speech. And my point was that we're not going in circles, always repeating the same mistakes. Human beings can improve over time. We're flawed. We mess up. The United States messes up all the time. But If you look at us, we are tending to close the gap between our best principles and our reality. Oh, there's a big gap, a big one, but we are trying to close it. And we bring that sense to our role in the world where we want to make the world a better place because we think that's in our our national interest. And I think it is. NATO is an expression of that hope that countries, democracies, can get themselves together, not fight among themselves, and protect themselves. Finland has joined NATO because they share that vision. That's an American vision. Dr. Martin Luther King said it well, but he was drawing on and making the rest of America recall its best traditions rather than its worst practices. We can make the world a better place And that's good for our American bottom line, right? A more peaceful world means we all live better. So that's the basis of American foreign policy at its best. I'm not saying we get it right all the time. God knows we don't. But we at least have a sense of what we should be doing in the world. And mostly, though not always, we try to live by that. And 
NATO is an expression of that. And Finland joins NATO because they understand what we're talking about. And they want to be part of this world, the free world. Last thing I'll ask you, you know, this war didn't start very well for Russia. Uh, I mean, it was very clear from the beginning, even though it took us a while to realize, because many of us couldn't believe it, that they weren't the big, scary juggernaut that everybody thought they were. Um, And they have been struggling ever since. Although what they've done is just inflicted some significant pain and suffering upon a lot of innocent people. So uh, what does it take to turn people's thoughts or ideas in, in, in Moscow, in Russia, the elites or whoever it is that runs Russia, what is it, what's necessary to make them understand that this war will not likely work? You're asking the important question. And the answer is they need to lose and they need to know that they've lost. They need to know that Putin's war of imperial conquest is a failure. They need to understand that Ukraine, a democracy, is not weak and that the West, Europe, the United States are not as weak as they thought. They need to lose. And then there needs to be a reckoning in Russia with Putinism and what he's done to them. He's isolated them. He's weakened their economy. He's brought death and destruction to Ukrainians, and there are a lot of dead Russians because of Putin. And they need to take this seriously to get the Russians to to change course. They need to lose and understand that they've lost. And the battle hangs in the balance. I don't know that Ukraine will win. They've done better than anybody expected, including the United States. We At the beginning of the war, we didn't think they would do as well as they have, but they have done well. And the Russians have done poorly. But the battle hangs in the balance, and we need to help the Ukraine succeed. They do that, and we all, we all succeed. Daniel Freed former U.S. ambassador to Poland. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. We've heard this a few times, but here it is again. Was it a mistake for the U.S. to allow a Chinese spy balloon to traverse from Pacific to Atlantic coast? I think if they had known prior to, if they had known that there were going to be high resolution photos or collection against corporate communications, those types of things, yeah, they might have been inclined to take it down earlier before it even got to the U.S. Nicholas Eftimiadis, former U.S. senior intelligence officer, explains, and he tells us what China likely got. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com slash email. I'm JJ Green, and this 
is Target USA, the National Security Podcast.